Um, so you can put up the title slide quickly if you've got it. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, we actually felt to do a bit of a series. Those of you who've been with us for a long time or for a while would know we don't necessarily always do series because God sometimes changes his mind and then it's awkward. We don't want him to, to tell you guys we're doing a series and then God gives us a different direction, not changes his mind, but gives us a different direction. And so we're quite hesitant to do this, but it is something that, that we felt, as elders, I felt specifically, that God wants to build into us. He wants to break a bit of a stigma. And this stigma is, um, is something we are prone to doing as Christians, to make subcategories, to say, I'm a Christian, but I'm not like those Christians, um, or I'm, I'm, I'm just a Christian in a sense. But I feel like God wants to elevate the fact that just being a Christian is actually an amazing thing. You don't have to be a leader to be someone in the house of God. You don't need to be a prophet. You don't need to be an elder or a deacon. Just being a Christian. There's so many scriptures where the Bible speaks to just Christians. And I feel like Christianity for us, not being leaders, just being a normal Christian, needs to be elevated because God wants to say, Amen, I I love it when when you live for me, even when you're not a leader. I feel like that needs to be elevated. So... Um, I'm going to start with, uh, and also, I don't know if there are any double dippers here. Are there any double dippers? Oh, shame. Poor you. <laughs> okay. So just to say, for the next couple of weeks, we are going to be doing the same sermon in two services, so uh, in both services. So if you are double dipping, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting, so... But I, I'm going to start with a little bit of a confession. Enra and, actually, and I actually prepared this sermon together. We sat at a coffee shop together, and we, we spoke about what we think God wants to do here. And so this was a combined sermon. Actually, we're just putting our own twist on it. And for the next couple of weeks, we might do that. We might have different people preaching, but it's the same core message. And so I actually I want to start with a bit of a confession out of my life, because I think Enra and I are quite similar um, we're quite competitive and don't like losing, but unfortunately, I lose many times. It's just one of those sucky things in life. <laughs> oh, Enray says he doesn't lose. Okay. <laughs> then we haven't competed in anything yet, eh? <laughs> so, so um, yeah, just it's, it's one of those things. I said to someone the other day that there's some weird thing in me that whenever I compete with anything... I always feel like I'm going to win. I don't always win. I just always feel like I'm going to win. That's, that's the case. So when I go and I do exercise or I play tennis or I go for a run, I always feel like I'm, I'm going to be the best. It's weird. It's, it's sin in me. I'm just being, I'm confessing it to you now. I'm saying it's wrong. I'm saying Jesus needs to get it out of me. But for some reason, I've just got this innate confidence that I'll probably win. And 90% of the time, I don't. So slowly but surely, God is teaching me that there's something broken in me. And you know, throughout my life, I've, I've seen that there's been a couple of times when, um, when what I've done is I started competing with something, and while I'm doing it, I realize that I can't be the best at it, or I can't win. And then what I do is I take one step back, and I'm like, oh, okay, I can do it, but I'm never going to be like those people. I'll give you an example. I started cycling a couple of years ago because uh, I tried surfing in Malpa Strand, and the water's really cold, and I don't like swimming came here, see cool, the new golf is actually cycling, so if you want to be with people, you get a bicycle, you start cycling. So I get a bicycle, and I'm like, cool, I'm going to start cycling. I start cycling with friends, start spending time. I got those of you who know cycling, I got a, a hardtail bicycle, meaning there's no shock at the back. I thought it was fine. It's, it is fine. 
And then I went to do this because I always I want to do the, the most that I can possibly do. I went to do this race called Transbavians, where you go from Willowmore to Jeffreys Bay. It's 230 kilometers that you cycle, and you've got 24 hours to do it. And for a month before that, I was in Brazil, and I couldn't really train. So I was quite unfit. I think I went for one 60-kilometer cycle and one 80-kilometer cycle. That was sort of my training beforehand. And it's gravel road, and I didn't have a shock, so my bum was really sore. And I tried, and for 16 and a half hours, I was on this bicycle. It felt like hell, <laughs> if, I, if I could give it you an idea. Just to give you a bit of an idea, is, um, it was so sore, I, I had to go to the doctor afterwards to have myself checked out. <laughs> because it was so bad. My bum was so sore, I had to go to the doctor. <laughs> From 16 and a half hours on a bicycle. And the moment I got off of that bicycle, about two years later, I sold that bicycle with the Bavians of dust still on that bicycle. <laughs> I'm like, that's over. If I can't do that, then I'll sort of settle for something a little bit less. I'll say, ah, oh, man. I'm never going to be like those cyclists, but I'll still go for a cycle now and then if someone, if someone uh, takes me with. Same thing with running. Listen, I'm just exposing my sin here with you guys, okay? Same thing happened with running. I started running, and I took it quite seriously, and I, I started running with these guys that would do 20, 30 kilometers in the mountains, and I started getting fit, really struggling, but getting fitter, and I said, okay, great, I need to do a marathon now, and I had all of these things. I, I wanted to do much more, but I'll start with a marathon. And the week before, I did 21 kilometers the Saturday and 21 kilometers the Sunday to see if I can do a marathon. Hurt my foot. Oh, <laughs> hurt my foot. And then a week later, I went and I did this marathon about four or five kilometers into the race. My foot started hurting, but I, I pushed through and I did the thing and I finished it. And I think I've probably put about 20 or 30 extra kilometers on those tackies and it's about three years later. So... I've got this stupid thing that I do that I, I go for something and when I realize, and listen, I'll get there again one day, I'll be a runner again and I'll do all of those things again when, I, when I've got a life back, when my kids are a little bit older. But I've got this stupid thing that I do that I go for it and I want to be with those people. But when I realize that I can't be like those people, I settle for a little bit less and I'll, I'll, I'll say, no, I won't be a runner, but I'll do the park run with my girls and my wife, Right. Do the park run now and then. Go for a cycle now and then. But I settle for a little bit less. You know, in life, is there anyone else like that that sometimes does that? Okay, a couple of you, not all of you. <laughs> you know what the bad thing is? Is that most of us, many of us, unfortunately do that same thing in our Christianity. And when you do it in your Christianity, it's dangerous. When you do it in life, that's maybe still okay. You just sell your bicycle. That's not the end of the world. But in your Christian faith, it's really important that we don't fall into the trap of looking at the Christians around us, seeing a high standard, saying, I can never reach that standard, so I'll just settle to be just a Christian. I won't be like, like those Christians, but I'll be a Christian. And that's such a dangerous thing that creeps into the church, it creeps into the people of God. And I'm hoping tonight that God can come and break off some of the limitations, the things that we've put on ourselves to separate ourselves from the very mature Christians to like, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm trying, but I'll just never be like those people. I believe God is saying tonight to you, who is to say you'll, you won't be like those people? Because I think what we do 
is really dangerous because it's not biblical at all. It's a false dichotomy, meaning we, we create these two groups, but it's, it's not biblical at all. Christianity was never meant to have separate groups. You're supposed to be not a Christian or a Christian, nothing in between. You following me? <laughs> you're not a Christian or you're a Christian. There isn't something in between. Anything in between is maybe called in the Bible, it's called lukewarmness, and God says, I don't like that. I'll spit you out of my mouth if I get that. God is not into the in-between, and unfortunately, we fall into a place of the in-between, and I feel like God wants to, uh, wants to break that. You know how it, it turns out in our Christianity? You come to an evening like tonight, and people worship, and yes, after a while, you're like, oh, we've been worshiping for 20 minutes. Should probably end now. Oh, 25 minutes. Oh, 30 minutes. <laughs> eh, 40 minutes. <laughs> What the, who are these people? <laughs> and then you look at the people in front, and some of them have tears in their eyes, and some are jumping up and down and putting their arms up, and you're like, man, I just like, uh, uh, how long is this still going to go on? I, listen, I know you because, <laughs> because I'm like you. I know some of you. I know some of those thoughts. And, and, and James shared that it's stretching, but you know what the bad thing is? It's one thing if you get there and you're like, okay, cool, but I'm going to push myself. I'm going to stretch. I, need, I want to worship God longer because he deserves it. It's another thing when in that moment you make a decision and you put a separate category in place that shouldn't be there. God wants to break that, man. Yeah, I, God wants to break that. When you come to a place where you're in worship and you're like, yeah, that's great for those Christians, but I'll never be like one of those. I'll be a little bit different. I'm hoping God is cutting your heart here. If that thought came into your heart tonight, like, yeah, those are Josh Jenners. Like, yeah, those are the hardcore radical Josh Jenners. You know, in Afrikaans, we've got this thing where you say, let's groot Christen. Yes, I was a groot Christen. Whenever that thought comes in, God wants to demolish it tonight. So say, that is not in the Bible. That's not how God sees it. Now, some of us even did that tonight. God wants to break that. Some of us, we come into a crowd of people and they speak about God and you can just hear that they are so close to God. Anyone ever been intimidated by someone's closeness to God? Come be honest. You speak to them and you can hear they wake up early in the mornings and you just think, oh man, my duvet sucks me in. <laughs> what do they say? Club duvet and DJ pillow. I jam with them all night. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, I, I want to wake up in the morning, but the spirit of the duvet comes over me, <laughs> and it sucks me in, and I really struggle, and you feel, feel intimidated. You know, what's, you know what the problem is? In, if in your mind in that moment you say, that is just one of those sold-out Christians, and I'll never be like one of them, but I'll do my best, that is a lie of the enemy. The enemy is coming in there. Was that funny? <laughs> it seems like it. You know, some of us, I'm, I'm just using a couple of examples. Some of us come to a place where you think, you know, I speak to some Christians and they're so outspoken about their Christianity. Wherever they go, they speak to people about Jesus. And I feel like that's intimidating for me. I feel intimidated by sharing my faith. And then what you do in that moment is you say, oh, I'll never be like them, but I'll, you know, I'll speak to some people now and then about Christianity. That is wrong. It's wrong when that comes in. Some of us come to a place where you see people in church and you think, these guys are just so sold out. Everywhere there's something about church, they are there and they love it and they give themselves. And you look at them and the, the bar just feels so high that you think you'll never be able to get there. 
And we come with these excuses to say, oh, I know those guys are like radical, but like I, I, I know that I, I need to have a balanced life. I need to have a balanced life. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I need to have a balanced life. And the moment that that comes in, you know, it's not wrong. Yes, you have to have other things happening in your life. But when, when the, the excuse comes in, you're stealing from what God is actually calling you for. It can't be like those Christians. I'll settle for less. No. No. God is calling you higher. Some of you, you look at the Christians here, and in Joshua, we're a social bunch, eh? Spend a lot of time together. We love to be in each other's homes. We love to go out together, do things together. And then you think, yeah, but I'm, I'm more of an introvert. What are you doing in that moment? You're settling for something less. God, God is not giving us commands as Christians, different ones for the extroverts and different ones for the introverts. He doesn't care. Doesn't say you can be an introvert Christian, extrovert Christian, or radical Christian. Like, he's not into that. Saying you're not a Christian or you are Christian. Let's look at this biblically. There's, there's a story of, um, of a guy in the Bible, and this has always struck me. It's been a really interesting uh, one for me. It's a guy called the rich young ruler. Now, that says something about him. It says that he had a lot of money, but not only did he have a lot of money, but that was an important part of his life. And it's interesting. This guy wants to become a follower of Jesus. And so he comes to Jesus, and he says to him, basically, Jesus, what do I have to do to be a Christian? What do I have to do to be able to go to heaven? In, in a nutshell, that's what he asks him. And if you had to ask me, I would probably say, well, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that's fine. That's how you become a Christian. But you know, Jesus has a different answer here. Jesus has a different answer. Jesus comes to this guy and in Matthew 19, verse 21 to 22, it says, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Jesus basically realizing that there's something in his heart of an idol, something that he's placed as a really important thing in his life that's more important than God, and Jesus says, I am going after that thing. And I want you to see what the rich young ruler does. He says, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What did he want to do? This guy wanted to say, Jesus, can I follow you, but can I still hold a part of myself back? Jesus is saying, no, you're either all in or you're all out. There is nothing in between. Now, God isn't going to come to you necessarily and say you have to sell everything that you have in order to become a Christian, but what he is going to do is he's going to say anything that holds you back from saying, I am one of those Christians, sold out, completely given to God. Anything that holds you back from saying, to, saying that, God says, I need to come and work on that thing. I need to come take it out of your life. Because I can't be a Christian, ah, oh, but I'm balanced, so I've still got this and this in my life. No, no, no. It's a quote that says, God is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. God wants to come into every single aspect of your life. And when you allow him to do that, when you say, Jesus, I give you my everything, he starts actually making you one of those Christians. Those ones that we feel like we can never attain to. And that's what he did with the rich young ruler. But unfortunately, he said, I can't do this. I'm pulling away a little bit. So let me show this to you practically, because this is what I think we do. And I think this is one of the things 
that's really dangerous for us. We categorize our Christianity, and it makes us that we never fully give over to God. Can you put the first slide up? This is how many of us view our lives. If I had to ask you, be honest, like God sees your heart, no one else is looking between you and God, don't try and give me the right answer, give me the correct answer. Take the most important things in your life, the top things in your life, and list them in order of importance for you. And you have to be brutally honest. Because, you know, we all know that the right answer is to put God first. Amen? We know that. But if you had to be honest, it might look something like this. If you had to look at your life, I, I'm just using this as an example. That first, we'll say, oh, no, God needs to be first, but my studies, man. God has brought me to Stellenbosch for my studies or my work. I need to do that. I know I need to spend time with God, but I'm not getting to my studies. So I'll get there one day, but for now, my studies is is right there. My mental health. Some of you like flip. I crack up when there's too many tests. I need to have a time where I can eat my milk dirt and sit on the beach and work on my mental health. I need that. <laughs> and then like, yes, church and, and, and God, it's important, but ee, my family is putting so much pressure on me. So family is third. And then ah, oh God, I know God needs to be number one, but for now, if I need to, to be honest, he's probably around here, but I'll get him up about a bit later in my life when I start working and all the pressure of the life has, of life has disappeared, when I'm over this, these difficult student years and I start working, then I'll put God first. Some of us think that. And then my friends, obviously, that's important. And then church is also important. I know that. That's how many of us, if we had to give an honest perspective of our lives, that's how many of us would look. And then we say, okay, but what I'm working towards is this. God is number one. And then I know that church probably needs to be number two because it's the body of Christ. This is what we're working towards. And then family, family is important because you can't run for God and then your children go wayward. So that's important. Mental health is important because I want to be sane Christian as well. I don't want to be crazy. <laughs> then work and studies because obviously I need to be faithful there. And then friends. And this is how we sort of view our life. We, we try and push God up in order of importance to say, I'm going to work on it to make God just a little bit more important every day or every year or every month. But I want to say that this is not actually what true lordship is. For you to be one of those Christians, one of those radical ones, what actually needs to happen is the following. You can go to the next slide. God needs to be first in your church life. God needs to be first in your friendships. God needs to be first in your work and studies, in your mental health, in your family. God becomes the foundation of your life, and everything flows from that foundation, God's not number one on the list. God is the list. God is the list. And if I think of my studies, I don't think, oh, I should focus a bit more on God. No, no, no. It's like, God, where are you in my studies? How do I find you in my studies? What are you saying about my studies? If I think about my friendships, I'm like, God, what does it look like if you are number one in my friendships? It's a good question to ask. You know, if some of you, if God's not number one in your studies, you'll quickly see it. Study pressure's there, God's out the window. But if he's number one, then that will never budge, and you look for him even in, in your studies. In your church life, if God is, you know that God can actually not be first in your church life, you can be first in your church life. <laughs> it's scary. I come to church because I want to climb the ladder, I want to be a leader, and if God is first in your church life, then it doesn't matter whether you lead or not. The title can be taken away, but you're there because you want to grow in God. You want to glorify Him. You want to grow in Him. 
This is what God is after. He's after every single one of us having Him as the center of our lives. Not putting subcategories in place. The center of our lives. So I want to look at a couple, just take you through a couple of examples in the Bible of normal people who had an example, who had an opportunity to do what we sometimes do. They were normal people. And there were moments in their lives where they could have made themselves a bit less and said, yes, God, I know you're calling me to be that type of Christian, but I'll be this type of Christian. They had the opportunity, but they all chose a different way. And I say to you, there are going to come moments, and I believe tonight is one of those moments, where you need to first repent if you've done that, and say, when I look around, I can't actually be like those people who fully love God, because He's called me to be that. But I want to say that there's going to be moments where God is going to come and He's going to say, this area of your life, come, I'm coming into this area. Will you allow me to be Lord of this area as well? And when you do that, you're not saying, oh, I'll settle for a Christianity where God's not totally Lord, but He wants to be Lord totally. I want to take you to Moses' life in Exodus 4 verse 10. God calls Moses, and you know, Moses was, is probably one of the most influential leaders in the Bible. He led millions of people. He led the Israelites, the people of God. He led them. But it's interesting that God only called him at the age of 80. Did you know that? For a long time, he just tended sheep. He was, he was a normal person, actually. We think of Moses now. Moses, the guy who stuck his, his staff in the water and the oceans opened up. But, but for the longest time, Moses wasn't that Christian. He wasn't that man of God. He was just an average Joe walking in the fields, looking after his father-in-law's sheep. That's the worst job if you work for your father-in-law, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But his life wasn't all there. It wasn't all there. Then God comes and he says, no, 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 Moses, I'm not calling you to live this life. I'm calling you higher. And Moses wants to make an excuse here. He says, but Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent. Oh, God, I'm not enough of an extrovert to be like those people. Does that sound familiar? Not enough of an extrovert. Lord, I'm not charismatic enough. I'm not strong enough of a leader. God, I can't do it. Either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Lord, I can't speak in front of other people. I can't be one of those radical ones. But thankfully, God comes in. He shows him grace. He puts his brother Aaron there, and God says, no, no, no. I need you to step up. Don't make yourself less than I'm calling you to be. There's another story in Hebrews 11, verse 31, a woman called Rahab. And Rahab, it's interesting, she... She's one of the few women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. It's following the line of the men. And then suddenly this woman who's a prostitute pops up there. It's, a, it's, it's amazing. God highlights this woman as a person of faith for us to follow. But before this step of faith in her life, she was a prostitute. You know, many of us say, like, I can't be like those people. I've got too much hurt in my life. I've got too much sin that I'm struggling to overcome. This woman was a prostitute. It says, by faith, Hebrews eleven thirty one. by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. She risked her life, if you go read this story in the Old Testament, to take some of the people of God into her house where she would have been killed if she was found out. She was a normal person. She could have said, I can't do anything for God. I'm a prostitute. I've got too much of a past to have a future with God. But she took that step and said, I'm willing to risk my life for God. 
She did not put herself in a subcategory. The woman at the well is a popular story. Jesus goes to this woman. This woman was married a couple of times, divorced a couple of times. She was a nobody. It actually says that when Jesus went and found her at the well, it was the middle of the day. And the people that time, it was, it was warm. It was the desert. So when you went to fetch water, you would do it in the morning or you would do it at night when it's cool. If you went in the middle of the day, you were, like James said, a dweeb. <laughs> like no one wanted to spend time with you. So we see a woman who is ostracized. She's not liked by the people around her. Like, she has nothing going for her. It is so easy for her to say, yes, I'll be a follower of God, but I'll just do the bare minimum. I'll go to church on a Sunday, go to community, maybe. I'll do the bare minimum. But that's not the life that God had destined for, and it's not the life that God has destined for you as well. God goes to this woman. He calls her, speaks to her. He's like, comes into her life radically. And it's interesting, in John four thirty nine, we read, when Jesus comes back to this town, look at this. Many Samaritans, the town she came from, from that town believed in Jesus because of this woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. This woman turned a city, a town, upside down. A normal woman. She could have settled to like, yes, okay, Jesus changed my life, so now I'll just just love him in private. No, God used her powerfully. Took a divorced woman took an ostracized woman, and he said, you I want to use for my kingdom. What about you? Come from a divorced house? Who cares? Have sexual sin in your life? Who cares? Struggle to put him first? Who cares? God is able to overcome all of those things and make you into the person he sees, not into the person you see yourself to be. Struggle to be alone? I'm like that. Who cares? God is able to make you a person who can be intimate with Him. Who cares? God can come into your life. He can come and do a miracle. If you've placed yourself in a separate category, tonight is the night to repent and say, God, please take the limitations off me that I've placed on myself. If I look at some of these people that I see up front or taking a mic or praying for other people, and I've said, never will I be like them, tonight you need to come before God and say, sorry, Lord. Sorry for thinking that, sorry for saying that, sorry for making it a commitment in my heart. God, I am who you say I am. We limit God. So I want to make it practical as I end. I want to say just a couple of practical things. Who's to say that you can't be a morning person? You know, they say the battle of the mornings is one in the evenings. <laughs> it's one in the evenings, actually. It's not only one in the mornings. It's, it's going to... When I, I was not a morning person. I wasn't. But in order to become a morning person, I started not setting a, an alarm for the morning only, but setting an alarm for the night. <laughs> so close to 9 o'clock at night, my alarm would go off. I would be my, with my friends. They would think I'm crazy, but it, the alarm said, go to bed now. <laughs> Why did I do that? Because I wanted to spend time with God the next morning. We say, oh, I can't spend time with God like some of those Christians. Who's to say? Take those limitations off of you right now. Take it off of you. Conquer the God of the duvet. All right. The spirit of the duvet. Conquer it. (laughs) Who's to say that you can't be like one of those Christians that lifts their hand in church? Who jump up and down. Who's to say? 
I know it's intimidating. I remember the first time lifting my hands, you know. And some of us come to a place like, oh, yeah, those are those Christians, but I'm a little bit more reserved. No, man, nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. The Bible says that we can lift our hands to worship to God. When the Springboks play and they win, I'm telling you, not standing there like this. You celebrating when Jesus won on the cross, and now you're like, well, I'm a reserved Christian. You're not a reserved Springbok game watcher. Why are you a reserved Christian? No, come on, break those limitations off of you. Remember lifting my hands for the first time, feeling like the entire world's looking at me in that moment. No one cares, people. <laughs> Everyone quickly do this. Can I do that? Was it difficult? No, it's, it's just lifting your hands. Why in worship suddenly is it that intimidating? <laughs> Come on, man, break those limitations off of you. You can exuberantly worship God. He's going to do something in your life when you take those steps. Who's to say that you can't function in the gifts of the Spirit? See people praying for others for healing, praying in tongues, and you're like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm not that spiritual. Come on, man. Who's to say? Get people around you. Let them pray for you. Who's to say that you can't fast? I need to repent of this one. I don't like fasting. But who's to say that I can't? Who's to say that we can't? God is calling us for a bigger life. Who's to say that I can't worship longer than half an hour? Like, who's to say? No, come on, take those limitations off. Seek God, make Him Lord of all, and you'll see how He starts working in your life. Who's to say that you can't pray in a group? You know, who finds it, come on, be honest, who finds it intimidating praying in a larger group? Okay. You know, it's just opening your mouth. Jesus said it's not about the eloquence of your words. It doesn't matter what comes out. Sometimes stupid things are going to come out. And everyone's just going to say, amen, 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 and they're going to keep on praying. <laughs> it's fine. People cover you in that moment. But who's to say, don't limit yourself. You need to learn to pray in a group because it's going to teach you to pray on your own. It's good. The Bible says that where two or more of us agree on anything, it will be given to us. That's why we need to come together. We need to agree. can't be like, I'm one of those private Christians. No, 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 you're not. You need to be able to pray in groups as well. Who's to say that you are too much of an introvert or too shy to make a difference? Introverts. Introversion is not an excuse not to live for God like he wants you to live for him. Extroverts. Extroversion is not an excuse not to be alone with God. <laughs> I struggle with that. When I'm alone with God and I hear my girls awake and my wife in the house, everything in me wants to be like, I want to be there. <laughs> but I need to be there with God. Don't, your personality is not a holy cow that cannot be touched. It can be touched. It can be changed for the glory of God. It can be changed. You don't have to stay like you are. Andrew said the other day that he thinks being shy is a sin. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, that's rough. But actually, I think, I think it can very well be a sin if it keeps you away from the things of God. Who's to say you'll never plant a church, lead a meeting in church, be an elder, be a deacon, be a community leader, be a worship leader? Who is to say? Who's to say that you can never baptize someone, lead someone to Jesus, disciple someone, pray for someone for healing? Who is to say? Who's to say? I feel like I want to call you tonight. If, if, you've, if you've done that in your Christianity, it's more dangerous than you think. It's more subtle because it's a small thought that comes in and it becomes a stronghold. I'll never be like those guys. If that's you and you want to respond in this moment and say, God, please take those limitations off of me, there's more than I thought. Can I ask you to stand?
if that's you.